Welcome to the Road to Black podcast, brought to you by the BJJ Physio. The BJJ Physio helps optimize the training of jiu-jitsu athletes so they can dominate their next performance. How do they do this? They provide strength and conditioning, physical therapy, and heart rate-based conditioning through a completely remote and online management system. Meaning you can be anywhere in the world and take your BJJ performance to the next level. Contact Dr. Wesley Reed at info at thebjjphysio.online or follow him at the BJJ Physio on Instagram to find out more. Also brought to you by Roll Union Jiu-Jitsu. Visit rollunion.com and follow Roll Union on Instagram to shop the latest jiu-jitsu styles. Roll Union brings you the best fitting geese on the market, the most comfortable rash guards, and premium soft jiu-jitsu tees. Next time you're in the market for some new gear, check out RollUnion.com for the stylish and the savage. Lastly, we're brought to you by DownToRoll.com. DownToRoll.com was born out of the need for an innovative way to find BJJ training partners during the COVID-19 crisis. With gyms being shut down for many across the globe, you can register at DownToRoll.com and find small group training partners in your area. You can message partners directly from the map and interact with other like-minded players on the Down to Roll exclusive network. Go to downtoroll.com and start training again now. Thanks for supporting our sponsors, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Road to Black podcast. Hey, welcome into the Road to Black podcast, episode 49. And we're here with myself and Wes are here with our pal from uh, Ari's East Mesa, uh, Alex Martinez. What's up, Alex? How you guys doing? Doing Good, well, man. Doing well. It's uh, yeah. it's been a been a long time coming. Getting on this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. How's uh? What'd you guys do today? Did you guys get any training in? Uh, got a morning class done, and um, mostly it's been trying to catch up on a lot of things. Um, just uh, there was never nothing to do at the academy, you know. Uh, Deborah, Chris, myself, and uh, Amy are constantly either communicating with students, you know, sending out emails, you know, just uh, you know, sending out text messages, trying to wrangle people who have been missing for a couple of weeks, all that, all that fun stuff. Yep, being a business owner, it's mm-hmm. uh, being a business owner. Yeah. yeah, running a business, trying to train running a jujitsu business. And that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today, but having an academy, there's just, we talked met Wes and I have talked about this as non-academy owners for many times on the podcast, but just, we always say like, give pay respects to the academy owner or the black belt of your gym, because it's, it's just, it's one thing to know jujitsu and to be able to teach it, but it's so much more to be able to go out there and run a business on the a successful business as the academy itself. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know, I know you've been talking to me about this, Alex, for like since you opened the place, and it's been cool to see you guys go through your, I guess, a little bit of growing pains at first, but you're doing really well, and you guys, it seems like you have a close knit family, and I, I'm friends with people that train there, and um, tell us a little bit about your history. Alex is here from. Um, the Arizona, the Valley here in Arizona, where I'm at, um, for our listeners, Wes, Wes was also here in Arizona for many years training with me at my Academy at our Academy GD Jiu Jitsu. Um, he's in Colorado now. If you listen to the podcast, you definitely know that. Um, so we got Wes is in Colorado and Alex, we're all just kind of, uh, remoted in. If you're not watching this, you can check this out on YouTube if you want to. Um, otherwise, what I was getting at is Alex, just tell everybody a little bit that might not know you. Tell them a little bit about your history. Really just get into what got you into jujitsu. And I, cause I know you've had some pretty significant transformations in your health, probably health wise is a big one, right? For you and jujitsu. So, but just growth, everything growth. I mean, becoming a black belt, which you are, you've been in the, you've been doing this for a while. You're, you compete a lot. So tell us how you got started, where you got started and what eventually led you open, open your own gym. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was, I was doing uh, triathlon for a while and, uh, I got a little spooked, you know, uh, got, had a lot of, uh, really close, really close car calls with cars. And, uh, that kind of got me off the bike and, you know, 
you know what happens when you quit doing something you're you know you've basically been doing for a while is you just start gaining weight and getting fat's a lot of fun man i gotta admit but uh i got pretty heavy and um you know i was 40 years old and going up a flight of steps i have a stop and actually hold on to a rail because i thought you know something really bad was happening my heart was pounding is i was just in really bad shape and um at the time uh, my life was going through nursing school with a guy that would not shut up about jujitsu. Uh, he, that's all he talked about. And we would go to dinner with this guy and I'm sitting there rolling my eyes. Oh no. But when that happened, it actually prompted me to just Google jujitsu in Mesa. And I found uh, Paul Navas Academy and I've been going there, you know, I, I started going there and I was, I, I fell in love with it right away. Um, you know, at the time, Paul had a little trial period. I think it was like a week long or whatever. Two days in, I, I knew I was in and I told him, I was like, I'm, I'm down. Let's, let's sign up. And at first, it was just mostly to get myself in shape, right? I just wanted to lose the weight, get back into fighting shape and just, you know, just be one of the guys in the academy. But there's something that happens when you kind of immerse yourself in that, in that culture, so to speak is, you know, people really embrace you. Like the guys that are really down, like really into it, they embrace you as one of their own and you just start getting really involved. And all of a sudden you're showing up to competition classes to help them get ready, right? Because you're not competing, right? And uh, next thing you know, you sign up for a tournament and yeah, I've been, you know, traveled the country with Paul. We've gone to Atlanta, Florida, New York, you know, California, Nevada, Texas, you know, you name yeah. it. And uh I really, uh, you know, been competing since a white belt and uh, never stopped. Nice. Yeah. How how long ago was that when when this started? When you got into it? Uh, I got into jujitsu in 2013, so about nine years ago. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, I was just uh, you know coming off a business trip, and you know I saw Nava's uh, light was on as I was you know driving by to kind of check it out, and I stopped in. It might have been like. Seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, and uh, I didn't know it, but they were getting ready for pans. So when I walked in, there was all these guys like murdering each other, you know, it was chaos. And I thought, man, if this doesn't kill me, I'm going to get in pretty good shape. So I jumped in. Beautiful. So you basically you competed the whole time, fell in love with it quickly, like many of us do. Most of our listeners obviously are training jujitsu, so they can they can pretty much relate to that. Um, what at what point did you know you wanted to open your own place? Because that, that had to have been, I think it's a decision a lot of guys think about, especially if you're looking to have a career and maybe you're younger and this might be exactly what you want to do. But I know you personally, you have a real job per se, yeah. or yeah. a job prior to being a jujitsu uh, yeah. academy owner. So I know that's a huge leap and I know it's you're kind of still in transition with that. Um, talk a little bit about that because we have a lot of, Guys, gals that might be in the same boat, but also a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to us. So, uh, yeah, what what, uh, what what made you what made you decide? Or let's say, how did it all come about to get to get your team together to go through this venture? Well, it, it kind of started as a joke. Uh, it, I was I had my blue belt, and um, I got an opportunity to assist in, with with coaching. I was just kind of like the the Uki that always showed up. Right. So I was kind of helping and I got a little bit more involved as I, as I went. Um, but I was, you know, my wife, Amy was, uh, was asking like, you know, how involved are you going to get with this thing? And I said, you know, it's not like we're going to open our own Academy one day, so don't worry about it. So that's, that's the joke. Yeah. We always, we always <laughs> tell each other, but, um, you know, about two early 2019, maybe late 2018. Um, I started talking with my, uh, my, my partner, Chris, and we were, we were playing with different ideas. Maybe we should, you know, invest in a school and try to help them grow because we were getting more involved with the, with the ownership side of the uh, the heads of uh, Aries, like all the, you know, all the owners kind of, I don't know, they kind of embraced us and we would go to their meetings and stuff like that, really got to know them and really liked what, I, what we were seeing. Like they were very successful guys and, you know, very business savvy. I mean, yeah, they throw on geese and they put on reggae music and they do all this stuff, but they're very successful, very smart uh, business people. And man, I just got very drawn to that. So, um, gosh, it was early 2000. I was sitting in traffic on my way to my day job and I'm just sitting there like, man, what, 
why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, why am I going? I, like, I, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's one of those, one of those moments where I just sat there and I'm like, I've been basically teaching for, you know, a few years now and I love it. And I, you know, and I see these guys being successful, man, what if, right? What if, what if I could pull this off? So right away I got on the phone, I called Chris and I said, Hey man, I want to partner up with you. Let's see if we can do this. Let's see if we can open up our own spot. So, you know, um, we did, we, we formed our, you know, our escort and we started playing around with different ideas, you know, websites and, you know, just the little things we, we didn't know what we were doing. We we're just kind of winging it, you know, and mm -hmm. asking a lot of questions and making a lot of phone calls. And it was, it was an amazing process because like those same guys that, you know, that we looked up to were, you know, making time and, and getting on zoom calls and, and getting on phone calls and telling us how to get it done. And that's amazing. And then, yeah, it was, it was, it was so cool. Like you almost feel like you have that support, that supportive environment, just like you do when you walk into a jujitsu academy, you have that support under you. That's going to say, you know, you walk up to somebody and go, Hey, how do I do an arm bar? Oh man, come on over. You know, could, they could be drenched in sweat, tired after class and they'll sit there and they'll work with you for as long as they can until the guy sweeping wants to get them out of the way. Right. Yeah. So, um, same exact principle, man. These guys really embraced us. So, um, COVID hit and, um, you know, uh, my, our other business partner, Chris's wife, um, unfortunately she lost her job because she was in the, uh, hospitality business and that industry took, took a dive. And, and, you know, so we sat down as a group and we said, so what are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, put it on hold? I totally understand. And, you know, they said, Hey, you know, we're, we're all in. So we launched, we didn't wow. know what we were doing, man. We launched. Right. So, um, we, that, the the real critical piece that 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 um, I can I can stress is is uh, it, we got in with a group. I, I guess I should say we wanted to model whoever was the most successful group out there. And a few a few months before we launched, we met this guy named Lance Lance Triplett. He's a um, he's a guy out of Maryland, and he runs a business called Academy Kings. And um, we called Lance, and uh, he basically taught us. You know, it, we we signed up with this with this program. It's it's a uh, it's MMA Studio Secrets or Academy Kings, and they they taught us how to market, how to get people in the door and sell, how to um, uh, deliver the product, and you know how to write. Or they you know they had curriculums written. They had all this stuff. All of these things that we needed to get started were already built. We just had to learn it. And we're still with them today. I mean, we, you know, it's a year commitment with them, but we, we, we're, I don't, I can't see us moving forward without them. They have so many great ideas. Wow. They bring, you know, and, and they have like, um, they have this small network of people that's, uh, again, they're just eager to help. They're eager to yeah. share, share their knowledge. And if you're going through a change in your business, let's just say you're, hey, you're going to hire your first coach, man. You're like eight months in and, you know, hey, I need it, you know, and they're giving us ideas on like what types of insurance to buy, you know, and, you know, how to, how to, how to bring them on board properly and how to maintain that relationship. And what does the average coach make? I don't know. Right. So right. they helped us out with that and they continue to come up with just these innovative ideas and how to get people through the door and how to, how to keep them, how to love on them. You know, that sounds like an amazing resource. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I need that and, for my businesses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you can, maybe you can be the guy that starts it. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Lance had a, um, you know, we do everything remote, obviously, because there's there's business owners from across the country, and it, it could be a guy that's that's uh, borrowing mat space in a karate school that's doing jujitsu twice a week, and there's also people like uh, there's a couple in uh, Alpha BJJ in uh, I think they're out of Idaho, and uh, they are you know you know they're they're you know they're seven figure business you know wow. and they're and they owe a lot of that they say they owe a lot of that to the Academy Kings. And uh, the growth in our business has been, I mean, it's been insane. It's been, the growth has been insane. And I can tell you, we probably couldn't have gotten it done without them. That's amazing. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Yeah. What, thank you. What, how did you find that place? So um, the head, one of the heads of Aries is Samir Chantre. Uh -huh. And he was actually their first client. And, and yeah, yeah. So, you know, Samir would travel the world to compete and do all these things because, you know, that's what you do as a young competitor. He's, he's been in that, he's been competing at that level for, I don't know, like Ever. 12, 13 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
But, uh, you know, it, when you're doing that, you know, you, the, something's going to, something's not going to be as good as you want it to be. The business is, you know, going to, going to struggle a little bit. And once he got on board with the Academy Kings, he said, they just, this is how he sold it to me. He said, he said, you know, they changed my life. They turned everything around for me. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I mean, yeah. I respect Samir. I've known him for a while. I trust him. And he was the one that introduced us to Lance and, and, and got us on board. That's great. Yeah. Wow. I can't wait to see. Uh, it's nice to have a resource that you just continue. I mean, they probably knew these, they probably know their value at this point. And I'm sure they have a model that you can continue using them month after month. I mean, that is such a great resource for a mm-hmm. small business to have just period. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And they, and, and we, we get on calls every week and they go a step beyond that. So the calls every week are just basically open to all of the Academy Kings members. And then you can sign up for a, um, Roundtable group. It's another group that meets. Uh, it's about once a month, but that's a group that, like, I mean, <clears throat> you're in a group of your peers and you're sharing your numbers and you're talking about why your, you know, your revenue isn't where it should be or why your cost per student is too low and all this other stuff. But you know, they're they're doing that in in, in such a way that you're almost like um, it's almost like having a, a a sales manager, right? That you have to yeah. account to, right? You have to, you know. That holds you to your feet to the fire. So yeah, every month when we're working our numbers, we're like, I'm thinking about that call with Lance that, man, I don't want to be the one, <laughs> you know, right. I, don't be, yeah. I don't want to be the one that gets called out because we, we've got it. We give him our numbers every month. So yeah. And he helps wow. us a lot with that. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Yeah. 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 I mean, regardless of whether it's business or jujitsu, I mean, that accountability piece is, is huge, right? I mean, it, it's, Business jujitsu. I mean, you don't get the results that you want on the mats. You don't get results that you want in business. That accountability piece allows people to really drive forward, and I, I firmly believe that on the mats. Um, you know, you don't have to have like a an accountability buddy per se, but having coaches that are invested in you, that are like you were talking about earlier, that are reaching out. Hey, where have you been the last couple of weeks? I mean, that's how you get people to their goals. And, you know, just like this business has helped you. I mean, this business, this, uh, Academy Kings, they've changed your life. You know, you're, you're doing the same thing for your students. I mean, that rolls downhill and and that accountability piece is, um, is huge for that. So such a good um, structure. That's a great structure. structure. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, getting back to the, uh, the coaching piece when I, when, uh, Chris and I opened the Academy, you know, I've got a lot of friends that, you know, non-jujitsu friends that have kind of been with me throughout the journey. You know, they haven't given up on me yet, right? They still invite me to functions. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, you know, they, they've seen, you know, what we're doing and they're, you know, they're very encouraging. Like, hey, that's great. But, you know, I, I, I had somebody tell me, uh, one of my friends tell me, you know, it must be frustrating to not be able to uh, train as much because you're, you're an owner now. And, and they're right. It, it can be frustrating. It, you know, you're tired even teaching all day, all you want to do is go to sleep, right? But you get in there, you train as much as you can. But what I told him is, you know, when I, when I, when I was a student, I was, uh, I got myself in, in, in better shape, you know, not forget about physically, right? Mentally, I got myself where I, where I need to be. Um, and uh, when I was a coach, I got to see students develop. And now as, as, a, as a co-owner of a business, I get to watch lives change, like all around me. I get to have students come up to me and tell me, Hey coach, this was the best investment I ever made in myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try holding back the tears, man. When you talk, yeah. you know, talk to a person, right. And you know, somebody, I, we had a student, um, older, older gentleman, uh, came in and said, Hey coach, my feet hurt. And I said, well, you need a doctor because you know, I'm a jujitsu coach. And, um, you know, he said, no, I, I'm diabetic. I haven't felt my feet in years. So this, the, the, the pain in his feet was like a very positive thing mm-hmm. for him. So, Man, just, I get stories like that, you know, all the time and, and they're, I don't know. I can't put a price on that. No, this it's priceless. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that is so much, I mean, just making the income, that's one thing. I mean, you have to do that to survive the business, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. that, to have that type of business that impacts lives like that is, it's so satisfying, gratifying, you know, it's like. it's, it's irreplaceable. And probably, and probably when you look at your, I'm sure this is how I was too, a little bit. I'm trying to relate, but same thing when the job I used to do 
working in the corporate world or working for SRP, which I did for many years, I didn't have like as many investments in that than I even do with ChillFit, let's say, where we have clients yeah. that have been coming in for five years. Yeah. So people, same thing. People say, hey, just getting the, doing these treatments have really helped, you know, in many different ways. But now, you know, it's so different. I look back on that other job and this is not to criticize anyone with a regular job, but you know, it's like, how rewarding is that? Like, I, I don't make as much money as I used to because running a business is hard, you know, personally, personal money. I mean, I'm just, I can admit that here. I, I could go and make, I can go back and work in the corporate world and make a ton of money, but it might not mean as much. It doesn't mean as much. So to, to, for me, jujitsu is my passion. That would be the ultimate thing is to do something like that. But I am, I don't have any interest in opening an academy, but <laughs> I can, I can, uh, I can kind of like relate to that part, just having a business of my own that helps people. And in your, and I think with jujitsu, it helps. I can just scratch the surface of people getting some relief from a sore elbow. But when yeah. you're talking to jujitsu owner and academy, that's your family. First of yeah. all, you know, yeah. you, literally take on family members. And yeah. I know that just as a coach and a, and a training partner of people for many years. I mean, these, let's face it, the people in our gym, those people become our closest friends. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, the yeah, people that you no spend doubt. the most time with, I mean, that's what it is. And, uh, so every little thing is probably, you probably have so many emotional impacts going forward from people seeing success to heartbreak to, so that is probably something that all of you guys and gals as academy owners, is that something you even thought about? Or is that something you're realizing now at the emotional impact you're going to, you, you are literally going to have to face this for as long as you have that academy, the good and the bad. Yeah. Yeah. So you almost um, become like an emotional coach. I mean, you know, this as a coach, you have to, both of you guys, both part mm -hmm. of coaching is knowing who you're dealing with and who you're conversing with and what their emotional state is at that moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, it's, 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 it's absolutely, uh, you're absolutely right about that. Um, you become that, that emotional, um, I don't know this, that, that, um, just that person that they come to and they, they just open up to. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, the cool thing is you can open up to them as well, you know, yeah. and, and no one thinks any less of anybody there, you know, and, you know, I'm obviously not going to, tell them everything I'm going through. Right. But if I'm going through right. something, man, I can sit down and have a conversation with one of my students that I, that I know, you know, and, and, you know, that I've known for a little bit and, and, and just tell them, Hey man, you're not alone, man. That we all go through stuff. We all yeah. have something going on. It's like, you know, I, I, I may put on this, you know, this, um, this like face when I'm coaching, like, you know, everything's cool, but you know, when I'm done coaching, I'm, I'm pretty vulnerable, you know, just like everybody else. But you know, if I can get on the mat for a couple hours and just make my day a little bit better, that's all I need, man. That's like that, that perfect golf shot when you go play golf. Right. I mean, all yeah. you need is one. So, but that's, that's, that's really it. Um, you know, and, and we, uh, a lot of my students are a little bit older, you know, they, they, what I, what I really like about our Academy, we have, we have a really good mix of different, you know, age groups as far as, you know, coaches go. And so the demographic kind of matches that we have some young guys, young, you know, really, mm -hmm. really tough competitors. We have some older people, but you know, when you, when you go into a jujitsu Academy and you see like a, you know, 55 year old or a 60 year old person, uh, man or woman doing jujitsu, you're thinking, wow, that, that's, they're pretty tough. Cause you know what, it, you know what it's like when you're day one, week one, month one, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard on the body. Right. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, my partner, Chris and I were talking about that once. And I was like, I was just, I was just asking like, what, what if we could make that normal? Like, what if we can create an environment where people, you know, 55, 60 years old, 65 years old can come in and they can train. They can right. just train. We can, we can cater to the, 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 the tough competitor. We can cater to, you know, the, 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 the uh, college uh, person trying to learn self-defense. And we can cater to people who are like, I want to try this, but I'm really scared. You know, what if so, we can embrace them, right? Senior night. Senior yeah, night, right? Senior night, yeah. Now, look, seriously, seriously, I'm sure <clears throat> that I think you would pack the house. Yeah, yeah. You would pack the house because I've also, and I'll, I'll give you, I mean, just, just through my experience dealing with people and older people that ask me about grappling, I've had, and including my father, by the way, because when I first started getting into jujitsu um, back in 2012, 13, I was like, 
obsessed as everybody, you know, I'm just like going all the time. And he, he's like, you're 37, 38 years old. What are you doing? You know, yeah. or, it, not in a bad way. He was just like, kind of like taken aback because I didn't play sports since high school. I haven't done anything like that or, you know, and my dad was a, a high school wrestler and like was in, went to state champion, just like a state champ in Illinois and this back in his day. So he tried to get me in wrestling as a, in junior high. Um, and I did it for one year, freshman year. After that, I wasn't as interested in wrestling. I was like, I'm going to get a job. I want a new truck. So I had to go get a job. That was my path. I <laughs> left sports and went and got started buying things. And yeah. uh, so the, the point was, is many, many years later, 20 years later, I'm 37, super 38 years old, getting into jujitsu, just can't stop talking about it, that whole thing. And he's by a year or two in, he realizes like, I'm really serious. You know, um, he came to a couple of my tournaments, like my first tournament at white belt and stuff. And, um, point was, is he was kind of intrigued. So this would have been, he's probably in his low sixties at the time. And he's like, and I wanted him to do it because he's a former grappler. And he's in really good, really good shape, by the way. My dad was always ripped. He was like always lifting weights, always the biggest. He was like the dad. Everyone's like, oh, my God, look at Paul's dad. Like he was that dude, bodybuilder guy. And uh, so growing up, he was always like that. So later in life, I'm like, you can uh, let's get you some let's get you in there and do some uh, jujitsu. All right. I was just telling him because actually he asked me, he was like, do you think this is something that older older people do and my whole my whole thing was exactly what you said i was like you could definitely do this and you would love it and it could totally change your life and your direction even in later in life not that he needs one he's very successful very happy man um but i said your problem would be you have to find training partners in your class Mm -hmm. and age group because when you're that old you are so much more limited and you're learning, you're learning just, you, you would learn and just grow with that core group better. Does yep. that make sense? It doesn't yep. say, mean to say he can't go to classes, but you can't really be, I mean, you don't see too many 65 year olds in jujitsu already that are starting or whatever it was 62, but you know what I mean? I think there's, there's room for that. If you create the environment is my whole point. Because my point to him was, and I've talked to people at Chillfit about this. They know I'm, I, I wear jujitsu t-shirts. They ask me about it. Is this something? I have another guy. He, he used to wrestle. He's probably 57. He wants to try it bad. I've been trying to talk this guy in. Every time I see him, I'm going to try. I want to try this. And he's always intrigued. But he's just super busy business guy. Yeah. Point, point is, he, he can do it. You know, I mean, you can do it if you have the right training partners. You're, you're probably not going to, you're probably not going to be into it as much if you're the only 62 year old in a, in a room full of younger people that are savages. Yeah. Who knows? You name the gym. I mean, there's, you know, every gym is so different. You, it's hard to like categorize them all, but the point is, is senior night might be very successful, my man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm all about it, man. I'm yeah. all about it. And, and you know what, what I, what I find is when you get somebody a little bit older and say in their mid fifties or whatever, um, you know, they, they are, of course, the, you know, they're the older guy, they're the white belt on the mat, whatever. But once they step yeah. off the mat, you should hear that person interact with the other students. He now becomes the black belt at life. Like right. these guys start, to, he's almost holding court, right? You know, oh yeah. people ask him all kinds of questions and you know what? He's been around. Like The belt you know, doesn't it, matter at that point. It doesn't. It it's, doesn't. It's, and, and that's that's a really beautiful dynamic that happens. You know, you, you transition from off the mat to on. The hardest thing about being an academy owner, I'll tell you this, getting people out of there. Because yeah. they just, you know, they're, they're, they love each other and you know, yeah. they only get to see each other for that hour. And they, you know, after class are just, you know, they like to be there and talk to each which is awesome. That's a great feel. Don't, don't get me wrong. Everybody yeah. relax. You can, you can hang out and talk. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I love that. And I love when, you know, the older person in the room becomes, you know, he becomes a black belt in life off the mat yeah. and helps them, you know, with their, with their everyday stuff. So that's really cool. That wisdom is everything. As we, as I get older, I realize it's like, as you know, too, you guys know, I mean, it doesn't matter your age. As you get older, you become more wise on a, m- many different things. And that also gets applied in other aspects of your life, including jujitsu, you know? So even though it's a, he's a brand new grappler at age 60, that guy is savvy, he's savvy in life. And when he gets on the mat, he's probably going to have some skills that other people don't. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Know, in sure. terms of in terms of my my knowledge, so um, yeah. The other thing is, uh, tell me about your onboarding process because you're talking. I like like you're talking like groups of people at your gym. You know, you got the younger crowd or whatever. However, you guys are categorizing them, but um, in terms of new people, that was one of the more the cooler things I've heard from you is when, when you're talking about onboarding people, which is probably a great, I, I, I've parroted this to other people and kind of praised you and your team because I think it's a great idea and we can all relate to that as being a new grappler, but introducing newer students as groups together, which is something I want, I really wanted to ask you about. And I know you're, you're open about sharing that. Um, tell me a little bit about that and who, who came up with that and how fast did you guys come up with that idea? You know, honestly, that was uh, that's another part of the Academy Kings piece. Uh, we learned all of that. So uh, we, we just modeled what they do and, and, and it works. So what we do is about every three weeks, we start a new introductory period. So our introductory period goes for six weeks, right? So um, throughout, that, throughout the three-week period before they start, we're doing all our sales and all that stuff. So we set up a start date. So let's just say it's December 20th, right? December 20th uh, is day one. We're going to have an orientation on the 18th, which is that Saturday. So we have a one-hour orientation with those new students. So they, they come into the academy. We're just sitting in regular clothes. We're, we're, we're having a conversation. We have this PowerPoint that we barely reference. I mean, we just it's more of a conversation. And we just let them know what to expect on day one. You know, you know, make sure you have shoes on your feet when you're off the mats, make sure you have nothing on your feet when you're on the mats. You know, if you show up late, this is what you do when you come in, you know, make sure you check in. Why is it important to check in? Well, because we have to keep track of everybody that comes and goes. And we tell them about, you know, safety things, you know, uh, the importance of clipping your, your toe and fingernails, how to keep your gi clean, all that stuff that you learned along the way, we cram into an hour, right? Wow. So, so when that student shows up on Monday, they're not sitting there kind of giving that side look that we did, that we all did, right? When we first started, mm-hmm. they're very confident. And here's the best part. Let's just say you have eight people at orientation. There's eight people that can kind of flock to each other going, oh, there you are. Hey, how's it going? And they, and they don't feel as uncomfortable as we did when they're like, hey, here's your loaner gi, here's your belt, there's a map. So it, it, it helps a ton. It's helped a ton with our retention. Um, we noticed that if, um, if we, you know, early on, we're just trying to figure out how we were going to do this and we got it nailed down. But um, we noticed that when the when we allowed people to just kind of hop in, we our retention rate drops. When we bring people on board through the orientation process, through that through that day one process, we tend to keep. I mean, we're talking you know the difference between keeping thirty percent and keeping ninety percent of your people. So I mean, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. That's amazing. It makes so much sense too. And and in a martial art where you're bringing on new, new people. And it's so, un- it's so uncomfortable for people. And I can yeah. relate completely relate to that. I yeah. was just so, uh, I didn't ever go in a gym or any jujitsu gym before I did jujitsu. So I'm like a right. lot of people, you just walk in. It's like, you take that leap of faith. Yeah. I never walked into a karate gym either. So I don't know how it right. is in there, but you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it was crazy, you know, just walking in and having the courage to do that really as a grown man, to be honest. Um, yeah. And yeah. It, I think, I think just having other people there and moving through that process, obviously is invaluable. I mean, you've, yeah. you've already, you've said it yourself, it helps retention because people can look over their shoulder and go, Oh, okay. This, this woman was in the class with me, you know, she's yeah. right there with me still. So yeah. Yeah. And we, we started doing that from day one. So we have students that have been with us from the beginning who will point that out. They'll be like, Hey, me, that person, that person, that person, we did yeah. orientation together. So they've been together since day one, literally. So it's, that's awesome. You know how it is. You know, I'm sure yeah. you have people that you've been together since day one. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in, in jujitsu, we kind of uh, wear it as a badge of honor that a lot of people quit, right? I don't want to lose any. I want 100% yeah. retention. Yeah. I want everybody to yeah. finish. I want everybody to get to that finish line, whatever their finish line is, right? I mean, if they want to go get a black belt one day, I want them to be with me for 10 years and get their black belt. If, if, if the goal is to learn self-defense and then, you know, move to Montana or go to college, that's their finish line. I don't yeah. want to lose anybody because they got disinterested, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to lose anybody for that. So if I can, if I can get them in the door properly uh or we can get them in the door properly and we can get them trained up before they step on the mat the retention goes way up 
That's great. So when do you at all kind of tell them about the expectations as far as um, grading and promotions? Is that something that you incorporate into your into your intro or is that kind of sprinkled into your your coaching style and your, your maybe your your night speeches? Um, how do you go about telling your students what their expectations are as they grow in the sport? Yeah, so um you know, we make it a we make it a really uh, a big a good point of of letting people know that you don't really achieve a promotion. You don't really um, how should I say? It? You don't really graduate into a promotion. You grow into one. So we actually sit as a group as of coaches and say, okay, we have you know this person, that person, that person eligible for their blue belt. Let's start. Um, we're going to start evaluating them because the blue belt promotion is in say four months, and then we sit down at that four month period and we say, okay, what do you guys think? And then we'll say this person, that person's ready. And that's how we do our promotions. As far as a student asking about promotions, you know, we let them know the, 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 the basics of, of uh, jujitsu promotions, right? You, you know, a stripe every six months, you know, you're probably going to spend two years in each belt and it takes approximately 10 to 12 years to get your black belt, you know, um, and they always sit back in their chairs when they hear that. Right. But, uh, but you know, we, we just tell them, Hey, it's it, jujitsu is all about one day at a time. You don't, you never know what's going to happen that next role. You know, you, you may be out for a month because of that next row. So don't put that, you know, six month stripe thing in your head, just grow into the next belt, right? Your, your instructor is going to know when you're ready. Just trust your instructor. Yeah. 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 That's, that's huge. Yeah. But you got to put that out there, you know? Yeah. 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 You got to let them know what that expectation is. And that's, that's a good solid framework. Yeah. You guys and come I, up, do you guys come uh, up with your um, belt? I mean, Obviously, the two the two year per belt thing that's that's how I always look at jujitsu when I'm framing someone getting you know even if I see somebody online and you know everyone's so different you can have a blue somebody that's a blue belt for eight years and so, you know what I mean it's it's so hard and then there's really not a tight structure but do you um, as a person as a as a coach do you look for uh, like skill set in time and grade or does there is there just sometimes when I, I don't, I shouldn't say time and grade, but what if someone has the superior, they feel they're learning quickly and they might not come to even that many classes and, but they're killing it in the gym. Do you look for like a overall skill set for belt in terms of as part of it, not just time. Hey, you got to be a blue, a white. I know that's not, you know, we all, we have to evaluate their skills, but do you encourage like a breadth of skill set or, or do you, Determine it by the athlete. And what I mean by that is maybe you have a blue belt that's just killing it in competitions. And there's a lot of these out there. You know this. Mm -hmm. And they're and that's then that's no they're they're kind of single focused on their yeah. skill set. And mm -hmm. and that's no knock on blue belts because you're a blue belt. <laughs> you know, at blue belt, we're learning we have to keep continue learning all the different guards and you know all that stuff you're gonna yeah. keep learning that as you go through your higher belts but my point is do you coach people competitors off off of those paths or do you you know if you know somebody that throws up the triangle every time their whole game is getting in the triangle and they're competitor and they're triangling all the time do you encourage in a competition or even in training to go outside your comfort zone because I think as I'm a coach, but I'm not an owner and I'm not a black belt. So, but I, what I think is there's, there's like a point of diminishing returns. I mean, I think you have to like let an athlete that's killing it and maybe even competing at master worlds or something. You, you don't really coach them off of something. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When do you yeah. determine to like expand a skill set? Cause maybe your blue belt is killing it in competitions, but they might not be a purple belt yet. You know what yeah. I mean? In yeah. terms and of overall skill or what you want to see out of your purple belt. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple things that come into play. Just like you said, you could have a white belt that kills in competition. Maybe they, maybe they wrestled in, you know, at, at a high level in high school or something like that. And they, they're able to take somebody down and hold them in side control for four and a half minutes and win the match, right? Mm -hmm. That's not exactly the skill set I'm looking for in a blue belt. So I'll encourage them like, hey, if you... Um, I want you to start working on your guard pulls. I want you to be a guard puller. You know, you can always go back to your takedown whenever you want. So I encourage them to to expand their skill set that way. Um, the transition from white belt to blue belt. I mean, they're, they're still they're still kind of 
beginner belts, so to speak. Yeah. But um, I expect, I expect, um, you know, a couple of different types of uh, guard play. I expect a couple of different types of sweeps. I expect them to understand submissions and I, and, and, you know, start the, the, the foundation of the systems that we're, that we're teaching them. You know, I don't expect them to be experts in the systems, but they have to understand those systems. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the transition from blue belt to purple belt. I mean, honestly, at when you, when you get to a purple belt level, you should be, in my opinion, uh, my students should be able to not only explain, but also teach the systems that we've been learning. Right. So mm-hmm. if we're going to be, you know, um, you know, working, uh, you know, spider lasso or Delahiva or whatever, whatever it is that we're working, um, they should be knowledgeable enough to play pretty much any system that you, that you, that you, uh, put in front of them, right. Or, or be able to counter them as well. Um, uh, the, the biggest thing I tell my white belts, if you can do a couple things when, you know, early on in white belt, if you can control your breathing, if you can escape a pin and if you can, uh, what was the other one I keep, I keep telling control your breathing, escape a pin and, uh, it'll come to me. But the, the very basics, cause I've seen, and no offense to anybody, but I've seen purple belts who can't escape mount. Now they're yeah. dangerous. They're dangerous guard passers and they can throw up arm bars. And I mean, they'll submit, you know, anybody from, you know, from their back, but they, as long as they're not mounted, right. As long as they're not pinned, they're okay. That's not acceptable, right? If you're, you're not, in my opinion, you're not even a blue belt. I'm sorry. You're not even a blue belt if you can't escape a simple pin, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, 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 if that's, that's the, the basic foundations of jujitsu that you got to know, you just have to know it. So, um, it's a lot about uh, communication with your students and developing that trust. If, um, you know, if you're always pounding on that, you know, that's, that's not right. That's not right. You know, you, you got to do this. You got to do that. They tend to not trust you as much as it when you pull them aside and go, Hey, your game is really good. Okay. However, I need you to work on these things before you can continue to the next belt. Right. And if, as long as we have that understanding, then there shouldn't be any surprises when they don't get promoted. Right. And, you know, everybody, everybody thinks they deserve their belt until they get it. And they're like, oh boy, you know, I've, you know, I've got to work on this. I've got to work on that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I try to communicate as much as possible. You know, I, and I'm a new, I'm a new academy owner. Um, before that I taught for my, for my instructor, Paul, and he had to make those tough decisions all the time. So that yeah. was, I had, I had the best of both worlds. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it, you got to communicate with your students in yeah. my opinion and just let them know where your what your expectations are before that that next promotion man i i really appreciate that because uh you know i'll talk about my experience as as a blue belt and i think a lot of people go through this where you're starting to get up there you're starting to get some seniority at your belt level you're you're starting to feel like you're you're progressing and you might even feel like i'm already at that level because you're you're catching maybe some white, you're catching blue belts as a white belt, or you're catching purple belts as a blue belt. And you're, you're just waiting for it. And for me, that was my, that was my case as a blue belt. I was, I was like catching these, I was catching purple belts with triangles left and right. And I was like, I was growing frustrated in at blue belt because I was like, man, what the hell is going on here? Why am I not getting promoted? And I look back now, my coaches never set me down and, and talked to me. They're like, you know, you have to get away from, and not, you know, I, I, I like the triangle a lot. You have to get away from that. You have to build the pieces around it. And, and that is your next step to purple belt is being able to put all that stuff around it and use it as a foundational technique to get to other places that you want to be. And I think for me, I got really frustrated because um, I, I, I felt like my training, I wasn't training. Um, I felt like I was training really well, but I didn't feel like I was getting there. And I feel like at the same time, that last little bit when I got to Purple Belt, as I look back on it now, was a maturity issue. And I hadn't quite set the maturity and the growth in, in the next level that I needed to be to represent that belt level. And so when I got my purple belt, yeah, I felt like technically I was a purple belt, but then like you were saying, I put that belt on and I was like, it felt a little heavy. Cause I was yeah. like, man, I have a lot to do now. Like it doesn't matter if I'm tapping purple belts. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, that that's over. <clears throat> yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard several, uh, several pr- friends of mine that are purple belts 
get their belt in there, but they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work a little bit more on my fundamentals. I'm like, you've had five years to work on this, <laughs> <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, um, and everybody should, I'm not saying they should, but you yeah. know, that shouldn't be the first thought you should, you, you should be working on those all the time. And, and honestly, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I, I got my black belt. I was super humbled to, to get it. I mean, it was, it was, it was an amazing experience, but now all I focus on is earning it every day. That's all I focus on. I study a lot. I train as much as I can. I train quite a bit, actually. <laughs> but uh, but I want to set the example for my students. Like, hey, it's not about just showing up, man. It's showing up prepared, showing up ready to learn. Be proactive in your learning. You know, there's 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 the lowest level of learning is showing up. That's my that's my opinion. Now, yeah. if you show up with the intent of learning, like, hey, I'm going to pick something up today. I don't know what it is, but my mind's going to be open. So many times. I can look in the class and I can tell the people that have that mindset, that growth mindset. And I can also look at the, look in the class and, and look at and see the people who are just there to get through the technique so they can roll. I'm working on this. I can't wait to roll. And maybe they have their favorite training partner. And I always throw curveball on them. I'll switch them out, make them work with somebody else. But if you can, if you can make that switch as a student, and once I, once I made that switch, man, it, my game got a lot simpler and my growth just was enormous at that point. I mean, comparatively, right? Because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work on this um, for the next tournament. I'm going to pull guard. I'm going to play this. I'm going to sweep them this way. And then I'm going to get on top and I'm going to do whatever. Well, I shook hands and the, per- the other guy pulled guard. Okay, now what? I wasn't prepared for that, right? A little bit, you know, you got to approach things with a little bit more of an open mind. And man, you know, like, you know, just have to be ready to get proactively learn. Yeah. And I think that comes with, well, I, sh- I should say it comes with maturing into the deeper belts because not everybody does that. There are people like you're, like you just mentioned, that go to brown belt and beyond that don't ever take that approach. And they are just the one they're just sitting. And there's, you know, there's a place for them too. I'm not criticizing people that aren't proactive and just crazy into jujitsu. I mean, people do, yeah. there are people that show up as, as higher belts that they're coming just to maybe socialize and get a couple roles yeah. and stuff. And, but I always say you're only going to advance as much as you put into it as you right. guys know. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I said this on the <clears throat> podcast last week is like my, I feel like I'm my, my learning in the last year has just skyrocketed because I've been coaching. So I've yeah. been just watching so much jujitsu. So yeah. I, now I encourage some of the students and stuff. I'm like, start watching more jujitsu. I mean, seriously, you just start studying it. The more it's on your mind and the more, you know, if you, if you have the time and the wherewithal and that's what you want, man. And everybody I know that's jujitsu geeks and coaches, they're all watching technique, you know, yeah, because that's how we got to all learn, you know, and we're learning, there's new stuff all the time. And we've said it before. A single academy, and this is another reason why you, as, as a student, you should go look at more video, as, even as one of Alex's students. He's a great coach, but guess what? He can only coach so much, so much stuff in one week. There's a lot to learn. So if you're limiting yourself just to your academies, and this is just my perspective, it's not Alex's, but um, I'm not an academy owner, but it's always good to go study other things, you know? Mm-hmm. Make sure you know what you're studying and that it's legitimate and always ref- go back to your coach if you have questions, but you know, if you're just going a couple, two, three times a week and you're just learning the, you know, one, you know, you only have three, three to five hours a week to learn jujitsu. And I've been there as a white belt. Your, your, your learning curve is much greater. I mean, you're going to have to, it's going to be extended because, and I didn't, as a white belt, I never studied. I wasn't into it as much to study video. I was just trying to learn the basics, you know, but my point is, is at any level, if you can just learn more because you're limited on the mat and what you can learn, that's just a hundred percent because, and we, we use the example of, and you know, this, you guys probably have a solid curriculum where you're going through cycles of different programs and guards. And, but even, if, even if you try to do all that, I'm a coach. I know I might not touch on close guard for another few months if I got to cover all this other stuff. So or you know what I mean? In in, yeah. in a long form, um, you're always working on different moves, but 
So study, study more. You know, if you have a guard that maybe your coach doesn't like or doesn't play as much and they're out there, there's certain coaches that only teach specific techniques. We know these people and that's fine too, but maybe you got to, you know, if you're a tournament competitor, you got to go and learn De La Hiva if that's something that maybe your gym doesn't play as much. So, and you can do this on your own. So I guess just what I'm saying is speaking from experience and I know all three of us watch video and study technique. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. That's what I've discovered as I got into my higher belts. I'm like, oh, I wasn't even putting the time mentally into learning the moves. I was relying on my professor to teach me everything. Yep. When I'm smart enough, I know the language enough, now I can go learn other aspects of the language. So Yeah, and and, and your professor's job is mainly to introduce you to the to the to the system and you know, you fall in love with it and you run with it. That's yeah. really how it works, right? And you go out and yeah. study it and you try to get better at it and you just build off of what your professor taught because you can study it for six months. He can't teach it for six months or she can't teach it for six months, right? You, the class right. will lose interest because he's trying to please you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's up to you to fall in love with it, run with it. What is What is your opinion or your approach to these systems because I've heard some people who say I like to I like to be set for three to four weeks where we're moving throughout one system and I've heard some people say I like to be into a system for a week and then move on so that more you students get more exposure to different things faster and then when we cycle back through it maybe cover something in the same vein but a little bit different so there's a couple different approaches yeah so that that's a great question I, I'm a fan of both I like going you know I I like going to classes where people teach something every week. That's cool. Um, but the way the way I like to approach it in in in, um, in our school is um, <clears throat> I don't have an advanced class. I call it a mixed levels class. Okay, and my cl- each class builds on the last one. So I'll start a class. Let's just say we're doing an ankle lock, right? And I'll just I won't even go to the entry on the first day. I'll just say, hey, this is the grip. Right. This is how you're gonna. It, this is how you're gonna enter into this. And then the next day, I'll go and okay, take. Now that we've entered, your leg goes here and your arm goes there. Okay. And then, but and then it just builds. Every day builds on the last. Right. So when you get to week four of the month, now we're talking about counters and counters to counters and you know and belly downs and doing all the craziness. Right. But it builds from that first day. Hey, this is a grip. So my white belt that's never done this before will not be saying. Oh, his eyes won't be crossing because he's learning counters to counters by Friday the first week. That just doesn't work. So if I'm going to work on a system like a straight angle lock, it's going to be from day one, this is a grip, to, you know, day 30, this is the counter to the counter to the counter. And this yeah. is the fit, right? So, yeah, yeah, I really like that approach because you're essentially reverse engineering the, the, the stuff, right? I mean, it's the same thing with goals. You, uh, with any goal, you, you take the final end point. I want to do this as my main goal. Well, now I'm going to build the process and the and everything underneath it that needs to happen in order to get me there. So you, that same approach goes into jujitsu too. So you're essentially taking the final goal, which is finishing the footlock, building the piece, building that piece, and then taking everything down. You're, so you're learning, like you were saying, the counter to the counter. That reverse engineering, I think, is super powerful. Yeah, yeah. I, it is just something that I I learned uh, from you know from my instructor. Um, you know, he liked to break things down and, um, you know, there, there were times when we got through a move in, in two weeks, you know, we got through a, a little system in two weeks, but most of the time it's, you know, there was a, a month long block that we worked on and, you know, by the, by the end of the month, your, your ankles are sore, but you, you've got it down. I mean, you, you've got a really good understanding of that system. I had a, um, I, I like that approach and I've always had the question or the, the thought that it could be different. How do you manage? I guess the question is to you, because I, I teach. I like to teach topics like that too. So even if it's two weeks, we're covering the next. It's 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 important that you're there the first day because that's when I teach exactly what you're saying. The grips. Yeah. What do you do when they miss the first day? How do you manage that in a whole gym where you're managing a one month long program in the first week? Susie doesn't come to class. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, uh, and, and also it's even more of a challenge if it's multiple classes, if you guys have everybody on the same program morning and nights. Um, cause I think that as a learner and a teacher, that's my favorite way. 
Yeah. Like, I love that. If you can spend some time and really break things down, because that's what we're doing when we're studying video and teaching as well. I mean, yeah. to break down something you're going to teach, you have to kind of pop package it in those ways. And we all do that. Even if you're just a blue belt on the mat, teaching your friend how to do that choke you just did, you know, you, yeah. you know, you got to go through the different steps, right? So as you're stepping, if you're using a step process and in instruction, do you run into problems with that? Or do people just pick it up and you just, or do you really, because as a coach, when I do that, sometimes it's frustrating because I'm like, oh, if you were only here those very specific days, like you, you know what I mean? It, it would be nice if you can have everybody there on every single day of that program, but you have people missing days. Is that, does that even feel, does that cause any issues with that and with the learning that way? Yes. And, um, I've just learned to accept it. I've just learned to accept that some people are going to miss days. Yeah. And my rule is I, I don't hold up the class. And I know that's kind of, that's kind of harsh, but what I do for the people for that haven't been, haven't been there. I mean, everybody has their reasons. Not, it's not because everyone's lazy. Maybe they have something going on at work or whatever, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll teach that next, I'll kind of review what we did, teach the next section and then when we do our breakouts or individual breakouts, I'll go to that specific group, right? Or that person and just say, Hey, when, when you work here, we did this and that. And I handle it that way. I don't, I don't want to hold up the rest of the class that has been there. I want them to continue, but I can take that little time while these guys are drilling to show that individual, show that, show that, you know, person, Hey, um, you know, this is the grip we're working on and your hip, your hip's going to turn this way, foot goes, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And kind of catch them up as we go. And right. at the end of every class, at the end of every class, uh, I'll, I'll try to make time. If we have time, I'll say, uh, Hey, this is what we're doing. Uh, the following day, whatever that is, this is what we're doing on Wednesday. So we did this today and now we're going to go to this. So don't miss that class. And that kind of puts it in their head. Like, Oh gosh, I don't want to be the one that misses that. Right. So yeah. you always drop that little nugget that gets them to think, because what I want, what's super effective about that is it gets them to put that next class in their calendar. So they don't want to miss it. Yeah. And, yep. um, yeah, they'll do what they can to get there. Yeah. Well, you perfect answer. I mean, you're you're already addressing it. That's got to be frustrating, you know. It's like, oh, yeah. man, cuz you know, as you're teaching that way, that's the way you'd love them to learn, but it just doesn't happen, yeah. but you it's it's tough. It, yeah, you you can have you can have a group of, you know, 15 people on Monday and it'll be a different 15 by Friday. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I it's get so it. hard. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. And it's, yeah. it takes a lot on you to go back and re recap. And I've, I've, I do, I try to do a similar thing, but I, I do it at the beginning of class and I'll just take mm -hmm. like, I will take like a 10 minute period just to like show what we did on my, the last class. Yeah. So people that weren't there, I'll just do a quick catch up. I'm not going to go through the whole technique, but this is what we covered for everyone as a review. I'll drill this a couple of times and move on because I think, I think, by teaching multiple days like that and, and building up and building when you're teaching a system, that's so important. It's systematic yeah. teaching yeah. is what it is. And, because and you don't, if you're the type of coach that just teaches De La Hiva this week and close guard next week, and it could just be a cup, obviously you could just go for months on each of those topics. But if you don't, I like to show things as part of like a system. So in terms of you have this guard, this this is a couple sweep options. If you don't get that option, this is another option to this side, or here's your submission. So that yeah. the students have options from those specific areas. And it you can only do that as spending time on it, right? Yeah. Significant yeah. time. Yeah. I think also uh what what really helps is when when your students like sense how excited you are about teaching what you're teaching. Like when I study really, really hard and I, you know, break it down into what I'm going to teach per day, they see that enthusiasm. Like, man, I can't wait to show you this next part <laughs> because yeah. we didn't have time today, man. That's going to get them enthusiastic about learning it too. Right. You're putting in the work. They can see that, right. The worst thing you can do is walk into a class and wing it. Everybody can smell it, man. Everybody yeah. knows you're winging it. Uh, you know, yeah. and they may not, they, they may appreciate that because you have knowledge that they don't but they know you're winging it. They know you didn't put the time in. So why should that? That's a great mm -hmm. point. Yeah, that's a well, great point. You're, uh, you're always leading from the front, my man. And one of the things I wanted to, to we, we can wrap it up with is tell me about your master worlds experience. And really you're, you're, you're um, 
you're unique in that. Not unique, but I want to hear from the man himself that has to compete at Master Worlds and coach a team. And really, for one of your first times doing it, as you, this is your baby now, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure you got, and here's probably where you have a lot of help from other f- friends and acquaintances within your um, association. But t- just walk us through a real quick, give the listeners a little feel of what's, what's a Vegas trip for Alex like to Master Worlds. Well, this, this year was kind of threefold because uh, my wife did her first Master Worlds as well. So I was already nervous. It was oh, already man. pegged, right? And then yeah. I went to another level. But, um, but no, um, the trip to Vegas was, was awesome. Um, you know, it, it really helps. And I'm, I'm going to plug the AZBJJL right now uh, because the, the way they put on their tournaments, it's almost exactly like you would deal with at a Master Worlds level, any kind of level like that. They really do a good job because it's, it's, it's loud, it's chaotic, but it's ran very efficiently. And what I appreciate about about the, uh, the what we have locally that I hope I hope others appreciate as well is that they spend a lot of time and money on the referees, and the referees are basically your lifeline. They are the ones that are going to make sure you don't get hurt. They're going to be in the right spot. They're going to do all the right things, and I appreciate that very much. I encourage my students to do these tournaments that we have locally versus others that may not have the same standard at refereeing and and uh, and. Um, uh, logistics, I guess you could call it, yeah. that most do. So they, they're very comparable. So Master Worlds, um, you know, we, we got there on day one and it was almost perfect because most of my students were going on the first day or going on Thursday. So I spent all of Thursday running from mat to mat and I had so much fun because, you know, I know how hard these guys worked and, you know, it, it was just being able to be there like right by the mat space. You know, they had us in that little corral area, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, being able to coach them, um, my adrenaline dump was enormous. I slept like a baby that night. It was really cool. Um, I went into competition day, uh, had no responsibilities that day, thank goodness. Uh, but I did have a lot of my teammates, uh, black belt teammates that were competing. So I wanted to watch them. So that, you know, a little bit of a distraction, but I had plenty of time, plenty of time to warm up, plenty of time to get myself ready. You know, I, I, I tell my students you're responsible for three things, you know, be on time, be on weight and be warmed up. Right. So that's all I focused on that day. And, uh, you know, won my first match. Uh, the guy was from uh, Colorado. Um, can't remember his name. Eric, I think. And uh, super tough. Hey, he had me in trouble the entire time. Um, I got a takedown in the very beginning. And that was the highlight of my of my uh, match because, um, you know, he had me in a normal plata. He had me in a crucifix. He had me in all kinds of really bad positions that I had to be very calm and work my way out of. And I ended up winning that match. So, you know, shout out, shout out to, uh, to Eric. He did a great job. Um, my second match, um, he was the number one guy in the bracket, uh, you know, fourth degree black belt, you know, very, very tough guy. And, you know, um, I, I had some film on him. So, I, you know, I, I studied him and uh, very crafty. I mean, uh, you know, you don't get to be a fourth degree black belt by, being, you know, lazier and making yeah. mistakes. Right. So, you know, he, he played it right, man. I, I, you know, we went three, two, uh, I think he had two, he had three with two advantages and I had two points with one advantage, uh, lost by a point, but, uh, man, the, the preparation going into it, um, coolest thing about this master world is I got to train with my wife. We prepared together. We did, uh, private lessons together. We, you know, we, we did competition classes together. That was a that was a highlight, man. That's I, amazing. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I I can't think of a better scenario. I've always been either you know traveling alone or you know she comes with me, but you know she's she's just sitting in the stands. But this time we were like side by side, and she got to compete as well. So it was awesome, man. How was, Amy, how was Amy's experience? It was great. Um, so she got herself in amazing shape. She dropped ten uh, percent body fat and thirty pounds uh, wow. this year. Yeah, got herself, you know, in the in the weight class she wanted to get to. She trained so hard. I mean, mentally, physically, you know, with her with her diet plan, everything was perfect. And uh, you know, she ran into the uh, four time world champion in the first round, and uh, <laughs> and lost by ref's decision. So it was. Uh, hey, there it, you go. Yeah, hey man, that's, it was a hell of a match. Yeah, totally. That's yeah, uh, so, she's probably feeling like a killer after this year. What a year! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just she's to get totally, out there and do that, and and, and the whole court. Yeah, totally different person, man. She's like, you know, just just uh, her her confidence level, you know, on and off the mats is insane. I'm 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 so I'm so proud of her. She did a great job. That's amazing. 
Did she go on Saturday then? Yeah. Yeah. She went Saturday. So we got to completely focus on her. You know, I got to completely focus on me and then I got to completely focus on the students. So it was a great trip, man. I mean, I was exhausted after that. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> no, uh, no nightlife, no partying afterwards. You probably just had to get right back home and get to work, huh? Yeah, we, we did a little. We got out <laughs> there a little. you go. Got out That's a little what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got out a little bit, but came right back and, you know, right back on the mats on Monday morning, man. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Well, buddy, anything else you want to share today? No, man. Um, you know, I'm a fan of you guys. Uh, you guys do a great job on this podcast. Uh, I hope I uh, contributed as much as, uh, you know, some of your other guests. Some of your other guests. Uh, I get 100%. a lot out of this, man. So yeah. please, uh, please keep doing it. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be watching. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'd love, thank you we'd very love much. to have you on again, to be honest. Yes, I think, sir. I think we could have went another hour. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah. We won't take any any more of your time, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you here soon, buddy. And everybody else, have a safe week of training, and we will see you for episode 50 coming up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Road to Black podcast. Once again, please support our sponsors, the BJJ Physio. Contact Wes. He'll hook you up with some customized programming for your game. Take it to the next level. Therapy, performance, the BJJ Physio. Also, Roll Union Jiu-Jitsu. Check out the latest styles, Jiu-Jitsu, casual wear, training gear. Check them out, RollUnion.com. Follow on Instagram, at RollUnion. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time.